All right, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of The Gaining Perspective. This is continuing the series of crossover fetishes that have to do with gaining and belly enthusiasm, and today we are talking about blueberry fetish. And today with me is Extra Juicy. How are y'all? How are you doing tonight, Orpheus? I'm doing pretty good. Um, yeah. And on here I go by the belly growth. Oh, belly growth. It's okay. It's okay. And so, uh, Extra Juicy, you identify, or how do you identify, actually? I should start off with that. How do you identify both your gender and your fetishes? Like, how do you label yourself, if you label yourself at all? Well, in general, I label myself as a cis homosexual man. And as far as my fetishes go, um, I do consider myself as part of the gaming community. But in regards with this kink, and we'll get more into that later, it's more situational. So your primary fetish is gaining, and then blueberry is a sort of like secondary? Um, I would say that it both take the spotlight at different times. Okay, so like a 50-50. And how long have you been into the fetish? When did you first discover Let's see. Um, I think, you know, like most kinksters, I think all of us kind of knew that um, we sort of had an interest in what would later become our kinks from a very early age. But I think I only really started following a kink about three, four years ago. So how did you start? Like, was it you were searching on the Internet and you sort of stumbled across it or had someone told you about it? I think I stumbled across it a couple times as a teenager, but didn't think anything of it mm-hmm. but um i was browsing on dvm right, for something completely different and mm-hmm. i came across that and uh well let's just say it was all downhill from there <laughs> <laughs> so it sort of woke something up in you and all of a sudden you're like oh my god this is a whole new universe i never knew anything about yeah like as a kid i always specifically enjoyed that one scene in both movies like um i saw the original 1971 version mm-hmm. when I was five and I saw the Johnny Depp version when it came out in theaters with my family yeah. so it, and it's just such a you know culturally significant moment in um mm-hmm. American film culture so and in case anyone is curious what we're talking about I mean we're talking about the infamous Willy Wonka universe because there's two movies that are a part of it now and there are actually several books set in that universe by Roald Dahl, but um, those movies have kind of become infamous among belly enthusiasts, blueberry enthusiasts, belly inflationists, sometimes even gainers, uh, but we'll get to that. How would you explain a blueberry fetish to someone? Can you break it down as to like what it is? I would say it depends on how well I know the person, obviously, and reading the room, but it could go either really short and simple, like, it's just a very silly form of bondage mm-hmm. or be completely deadpan and say, I enjoy that one scene in Willy Wonka mm-hmm. when someone takes that one piece of gum and swells up like a giant fruit. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, inter- it's, it's interesting you said fruit. So, like, does it have to be the iconic blueberry thing or can it be any other fruit? Could it be a strawberry? Oh. Could it be a cherry? Could it be a pear? Oh, oh yeah. Um, normally what, it depends on the personal preference. Like Mm -hmm. myself, I personally prefer the blueberries classic blues, my favorite color, even for what I like to call civilian reasons. Mm -hmm. But, um, I have a couple friends who like to have a different primary one. Like, um, 
there was this one guy I talked to, his main attraction was cranberries because he hates sweets and he hates the color blue, but loves red. Ah, gotcha. I mean, it could be. Well, cherries, a, cherries can be tart. There are certain <laughs> cherries out there that are pretty tart. Right, bring that up with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I think um, cherry is more, um, is like the second on the tier list, but um, pear is also popular. It also depends on what sort of shape you want the end result to be. I was just about to ask that, actually. Does it depend on the kind of, like, sh- overall shape that will that will come of it? Because we know cherries are round, blueberries are round, pears are a much different shape, but that's, like, more of a bottom-heavy thing, which, you know, that's... I mean, I even like pear-shaped uh, body types, so I can see how that could work its way in. I suppose things as weird as pineapples and bananas don't tend to, you know, end up in this. Well, it's also situational <laughs> i mean but yeah i have seen actually pineapple done and uh, banana done before so that was very interesting really oh. yeah i haven't stumbled across that part of deviantart yet <laughs> <laughs> and so to kind of get into a, a very brief history of the blueberry fetish because in the last episode uh when we were talking about inflation uh casey the tank and i kind of went over a history of inflation and i came to find out that it had been around a lot longer than i thought but i feel like the blueberry fetish is in the idea of a person turning into a you know a big juicy blueberry i feel like it's its origin really does lie in that 1970s version of charlie and the chocolate factory because yes it was a book first and there were illustrations in that book i don't remember the name of the illustrator but uh i feel like it, it didn't really become a, a thing until that movie came out and i think you're right on that course because um well i think that there is a very large amount of overlap with fruit inflationism and uh regular inflation mm-hmm. it's the context that what i find really draws people in for example um brat taming is a big part of it like you get someone like you get a brat who's breaking the rules and needs to be punished so to speak like that's a big part of you know, know the blueberry community mm-hmm. yeah i uh i have read several short stories based on it and i've seen videos that have been like compiled to show that kind of thing happening and it's usually happening to, like you said a, a bratty oh this isn't gonna hurt me nothing's gonna happen to me and then all of a sudden they find themselves swelling up and being really helpless well they were full of themselves <laughs> very more so and i was wondering is that is that also like a part of the appeal is it because the inflatey or the blue or the victim i guess which i can't think of a better word to throw out there uh yeah. is left in a helpless state you know it's basically they have no more agency over their own body or what happens to them after they have become the blueberry or whatever other fruit they've turned into yes yeah it's also very much like a dom and sub relationship for example, if it is like a bratty situation, the dom could be like, uh-uh, don't do that. You're going to regret it. Mm-hmm. Or it could be if they know what's going to come, it's like, here, I want you to take this tonight. You mm-hmm. know, this is a MacGuffin that's going to make it happen. And also it sort of overlaps into bondage where the dom, after the process is completed, sort of has free agency with consent. Granted. Yeah, obviously. Well, I mean, Although I have read a few short stories that didn't involve any consent. That's true. You know, so that that is a part of it, too. There is a slight sadistic level to the, I mean, if, it, again, depending on the context, you know, if it's the dom or the person who's going to put someone else through this, 
and they haven't given their consent, that exists out there. There is a fetish for that kind of thing. Right. <laughs> Good, bad, or indifferent, it's there. I mean, we're talking about uh, jerking off to the to you know this, so I'm pretty sure that non-consensual thing is also out there. Enough. Yeah. I mean, in, in your regular life, of course, we're, we're not going to suggest that you should do anything to anyone without their consent. We're just right. acknowledging that it, it's out there, that there is a lot of, even in the, in the like normie world, you know, there's porn out there that involves like rape scenes and things like that. And it right. just is what it is, you know, as long as it's not happening in real life. But anyway, we digress there for a minute. Um, I wanted to ask, what is it about this that appeals to you? Like how, what, what like light bulb went off in your head and was like, oh my God, I'm really into this. I, th- well, that's, let's see. I sort of had like two aha moments with that. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I think with the first time it's like when I first discovered the kink, it's like, oh, this might be fun to actually be, you know, I was so, I wanted to be that person that, you know, enjoyed the fruit, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But um, I think the appeal for me was is it sort of worked itself into my overarching uh, transformation fetish, which mm-hmm. which was a whole other thing. It's sort of like an umbrella which encompasses a whole bunch of fetishes. And I think it was also like the fact that it was sort of public in a way. Like there's usually a crowd and short stories and then the movie mm-hmm. present. But when I... um fully joined the community about six months ago and I started creating work and I realized, oh, this is a lot better to be watching and or controlling on the uh, other end. So do you also find like the public humiliation aspect of it appealing? The victim, you know, doesn't know what's gonna happen to them. Like you said, there's in most of these stories or scenarios, there's a group surrounding them and they're all like, Oh my God, look at him. Is he filling up with air? No, that's not air in there. He's turning blue. You know <laughs> Is that whole thing also a part of it? It can be. For me personally, not so much. It's mm-hmm. more of um, look at me, here I am sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But um, some people, when I role play with them, they really mm-hmm. just want me to go into detail what the crowd is thinking, what they're saying, like like poking, teasing, maybe starting to roll them a little bit. Yeah. It's also very, it could also be enhanced with like audio tracks and stuff. Like there's stuff on YouTube that helps with that. Yeah. I mean, that's not uncommon among, like, gainers, because there's a lot of gainers that get off on uh, a public humiliation aspect of it. They like to be teased. They like yeah. to be belittled. They like to be mocked for their weight gain. Um, yeah. I don't, but a lot of people that I know do. So, right. like, I can see that, you know, there's an obvious tie-in there even with the blueberry thing. It's basically any other kink with just wearing a different skin when you really boil it down. Yeah, because, I mean, it's not that different from, you know, regular, like, air inflation. It's just usually happens to be some kind of fruit juice. Right. And blueberry is obviously the most popular because, again, of the influence of the Willy Wonka. Yeah, well, we're always looking to swell our ranks, so to speak. <laughs> um, so, like, the examples that are out there of blueberry fetishism, some of the most obvious places to look I have seen it over the years are places like DeviantArt, Fur Affinity, and now Discord, because Discord's really, I thought that Discord was going to be just about gaming, and then I realized, well, you give us a platform and we'll we'll do something with it. You know? Like, I don't think, I don't think Tumblr wanted to be a porn springboard, but it ended up being one anyway. Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, it was really great before December 17th, 2018. I know, I know. The great Tumblr get that destroyed all the best porn out there. Yeah. 
it's like they stub they, their toe and they decide to amputate the leg. It was so stupid. Well, you know, they didn't intend for it to become what it became. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's like Pornhub is exactly what, sh- what it says on the tin. You know, you expect to find porn there. But Tumblr, I think they wanted people to use it for blogging and like community and like trying to like all, all that stupid shit that, you know, we don't care about. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. But um, that backfired so tremendously for Tumblr. Like I know. just after the announcement they lost a third of their users. A, a third. Yeah. And they backpedaled a bit on the porn. Like, you could still find some stuff on there, but I don't think it's ever really recovered. I think No, they... and it, it probably won't either. But, but um, I mean, along the lines of the, the places that I just mentioned, like, do you know any other places where you can find a lot of um, Blueberry-inspired artwork specifically? Because we'll get into the other medias in a minute. Um, I would say the best place would be DeviantArt. Like, that's where I found it. That's where it's easiest to find. Mm-hmm. But I've seen some stuff come out for Affinity, but myself personally, I don't have a for Affinity account, so I won't, can't speak from experience. Okay. I know it's it's also quite a popular motif among birds that are into their furries being chubbier. You know, sometimes a lot of them, I've seen quite a few examples of them. Um, Me too. Yeah. And then Discord, you know, we both belong to the Discord that, and I'm sure it's just one of many yes. that has, you know, the uh, Blueberry thing as a primary fetish. Um, oh, yeah. No, it's just like they're, they do have like um, an interesting lifespan. Like some can last for years, some can last for a couple months. I mean, once you find one and you get nice and cozy with it, if, I'm sorry, I'm rambling. So, no, no, it's okay. <laughs> Right. We go off on tangents here. It's okay. But um, obviously, the most famous example, the one that is most well-known of blueberry fetishism in any media, the one that sparked an entire generation of blueberry fetishists, was the Charlie and the, or Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I, I screw up the titles because the book is called One Thing, the movie's called Another. Well, I like to just refer them by the years that they came out, just for simplicity, mm-hmm. like 71 or 05. So. Yeah. Well, the 1971 version, I think, was what kind of spawned the first generation of blueberry fetishists, because we all saw that movie as a kid. It was a very, you know, it was a kid-friendly movie. It was a movie that your parents didn't mind you watching. Yeah, so like, we all um, sat down and watched this film and watched this girl transform into a blueberry. And for some people, it had a very profound effect. And for some of us, it had a, you know, okay, that's curious. Um, I remember watching it and wishing that that had happened to a, a boy and not a girl. But... Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> and I was five when I first watched it. I actually think I saw it on like a 25th anniversary special. Mm-hmm. Like, because I remember like during the commercial breaks, they would have like these two people come in and talk about behind the scenes stuff. But mm-hmm. I'm not sure who those people were. I was five, so I was very impressionable. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, but when I watched the, the 2005 version with my family and a crowd at movie theater because it just premiered, I remember thinking like, oh, this is different. This is, this is okay. Like, I didn't know exactly what was going on. I think it was, would have been about 13 at the time. Mm-hmm. So, and 
let's just say I was a little clueless about this topic. Well, not just this topic, but just sex in general. But I mean, even sitting there in that darkened movie theater, surrounded by all those people, I'm not implying that you got a boner or anything, but I'm saying like, did something sort of like gel inside you? You're like, you were just fascinated or was it more like it watched it and then went home and it just sort of stayed in your mind? I think it was um, sort of, well, let's just say my cured, my uh, creative juices started to stir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I think what did it was not so much the inflation itself. It was the lead up up to it, like right before, like uh, when her nose started turning blue and everyone started pointing. I think that that point up to the point where she started swelling, that's what did it to me. Mm-hmm. Like, like something's changing. Something's going on. It's the anticipation. It's like, okay. the, it's like, like the, the buildup. Yeah. So it was the buildup that really like had a more profound effect on you. It's like, oh, you know what's about to happen. Yeah. But looking back, it's you when you really watch that scene, mm-hmm. knowing about this fetish and knowing how long it existed since 71 and how long ago that was from the release, mm-hmm. help but watch it and wonder if one of us worked on that. Because I'm just going to say there's a shot of her butt swelling. And yeah, yeah, how many times I've seen that shot with Chris Pratt or Tom Holland's head, I sit onto it. Yeah, I have to. And (laughs) those two are really popular for that. I'm not complaining. Neither am I. I mean, I never really thought much of Tom Holland. But I I thought that when Chris Pratt was chubby, he was really hot. I mean, he's, he's a really handsome guy. I prefer him chubby over, you know, chiseled. But... Yeah, he was a pretty popular model for that. I think it's because A, he's hot, and B, he's more appears more approachable than other celebrities. Like he still gives off the impression that he's still starstruck by himself. Yeah. He's more down to earth. He's humble. Yeah. Like he went from living in a van in Hawaii to, you know, superstardom. Yeah. But um there's a lot of celebrities that get plastered onto them. Like not just, you know, Marvel Universe guys, but oh man. It's just so many to count. Like, um, what's that name of that gay wrestler in the Olympics? I've seen a couple of him um, with his. I'm boyfriend. not sure. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I, I didn't watch the Olympics. Uh, sort of. You might find this kind of funny, but um, I do recolor my own, and mm-hmm. well, not just myself, but I also have my deviant art. And one day, I was just minding my own business, and I was just thinking, huh? I wonder what would happen if I recolored a drag queen. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, okay, let's take one that has really intense makeup and see what happens. So I chose Trixie Mattel, who yeah. has eyelids that look like they're attached to her hairline. Yeah, I know. And I colored her blue, and I stared at the face of the devil. It was <laughs> bad. It was <laughs> It was... <laughs> I could feel old. I could feel 2,000 years into the future, Jesus looking at me like, Dude, what are you doing? (laughs) (sighs) You've done some pretty good recolorings of myself, actually. Uh, Thank you. Well, I must say, you got the perfect belly for it because... All right, I'm just going to sing praises to your belly for a second. Oh, thank you. Is that it almost looks like padding in itself, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, go ahead. Like, it sticks out just far enough where it doesn't... Like, it starts to border on the edge where it's like, okay, that is really big. Like... Are you sure that's fat or not a twin? You know? 
it's funny because um, I actually get hit up for MPREG stuff more often than anything else. <laughs> like, I get hit up all the time by MPREG enthusiasts, and that is probably my least favorite belly-related fetish. It's just, I mean, I can appreciate it, but it's really not my thing. And particularly to roleplay it, I don't always, I don't really enjoy roleplaying that at all. Um, yeah. I can have a lot more fun roleplaying in, in other scenarios, but yeah, I get hit up all the freaking time for MPREG. Because <laughs> I'm, I, I, you know, I can acknowledge that I'm, I'm just very round. Like, and and I've had people over the years on Instagram and Romer ask me, you know, how did you manage to get that shape? And I'm like, honestly, I don't know. I don't well, know. This is just my genetics, I guess, because it started off as just a beer belly. Put some effort into it. I actually, you know, tried to increase my calorie intake and everything, and it just went from there. You know, and it's maintained the same shape for the last like five years. And voila, you're gut enters a doorway five minutes before you do yeah <laughs> well it's not it's not quite that big i mean it's but i can make myself look bigger thanks to camera angles i'm also a photographer so i know how to trick Great. <sighs> but uh but, back to the um concept of blueberryism yeah let's get that ball rolling again <laughs> blueberry blueberry fetish in uh media out there Aside from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, I, I can't think of any like specific examples um, in cartoons and TV shows and things like that, but I know that ever since that movie, it's been redone. There yeah. are other shows and other things aimed at children that have reused that concept. And not just even at children. I think, and I may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that there's a clip from that 70s show where one of the characters swells up as a blueberry for like yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, it was actually Mila Kunis. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, it was Jackie's character that had like a nightmare and had the same like thing happen. She was eating a blueberry pie because she was depressed and Donna was telling her, no, don't stop in the sardonic way that Donna always talks. And then, yeah, she blew up into a blueberry. It didn't do anything for me. Well, I no. mean, we're gay, so. It yeah, it's I have not seen the blueberry thing i have i have not seen the homage i should say to uh the willy wonka blueberry inflation done to a a guy or a boy character in any other medium yet okay i, I mean, mean yes in the artwork but not in an actual like media that's presented to the masses well there's well that's a fine question like what do you define as media by the masses like multi-million dollar movies tv shows yeah just things that would wind up on your your typical tv show or your you know your major movie i haven't seen that happen right not the blueberry thing i've seen inflation happen just not an homage to the blueberry scene done to a male gendered character but um what i've seen you know being on discord is that there are a lot and I mean a lot of blueberry TikToks made. It is insane. Yeah. yeah. You know I'm not going to say who specifically, but one of the high ranking members of the Cats movie um mm-hmm. did one. Like he oh, um, and he turned blue. Corbett or um what's his name? Oh, were you about to say Corbin Blue? Corp no. Uh what is that guy's name? Uh, the, the chubby guy. No, it wasn't him, but I think it might be best to sort of leave it at that, just because oh. don't want to create more problems. <laughs> well, who do you who do you assume <laughs> is going to be hearing this? Well, you know, I have a very specific audience, so. <laughs> but 
I don't think you have to run. I don't think you have to worry about running afoul of anyone out there in Hollywood. But then again, you shouldn't belittle your audience because it is very large. Well, I mean, it's, it's not it's a large, large, but it's it's specific. Not a very large. I, I said it's a specific audience, like people who listen to this. I mean, if I'm if I'm wrong, if there are people out there that are not into the fetish that are listening to it and still find it interesting, that's amazing. I would, honest to God, be amazed if you know someone that was not into the fetish you know messaged me and said hey i just really love your podcast it's interesting i'd be floored by that but i feel like the majority of my audience has you know has is is in the loop yeah that's true i mean this is exactly this isn't exactly something that comes up in spotify or itunes recommended podcasts is it uh well on spotify i don't know i know i'm on spotify i just don't know if it comes up as recommended maybe if they're listening to another fetish podcast because there are several fetish podcasts that are, that go on to Skype, or Skype, that go on to um, Spotify and also go on to uh, Apple Podcasts. So maybe I don't know. Yeah, like what, like the one I've been listening to the most recently is um, "What's Your Safe Word." That was great. That's always fun. I haven't heard of that one. I'll have to look, check them out. Oh, um, it's done by Pup Amp and Mr. Christopher. Sometimes they have a guest come in. Uh-huh. It's it's what's the safe word from youtube so they do like a bunch of like kink education videos um and like they show like vlogs from um leather conventions and stuff i think they were actually at claw last year oh were they yeah uh, then i should know who pump amp who pup amp is yeah i'd have to i'll have to look him up because i'm pretty sure that i've met him then but um, so sort of like you you'd mentioned um, blueberry TikTok videos, which I can hook onto and bring up the um, specifically curated fetish market videos. And if anyone doesn't know what I'm talking about, all I have to say is Taylor Made Clips. Oh yeah. And if if you're not aware of what Taylor Made Clips is, uh, I believe it is a a woman who owns the company. Her name is Mistress Taylor or something like that. And she makes uh, fetish videos that are geared towards specific fetishes. Uh, her most popular ones are involve inflation of some kind. And uh, I think Blueberry might be, like, probably her number one. Right. I mean, there are a lot of tailor-made clips, and I will sing her praises from here on to the end of time for making a lot of guys and not just a couple handoffs. Yeah, I appreciate the fact that she does actually put men in her videos. I wish that she would do it more often because there's really only like what a page and a half, right? Like 50 pages worth of women, right? Well, she only does like um a couple a year or so, and they're exactly cheap to make. So I know, and God bless her. Um, I I think it's un it's kind of unfortunate that a lot of it just gets ripped off and put on porn tube free. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, like, you can't really stop people from doing that. And again, like, um, for example, sharing of clips, you know, it's great, you know, if you're bringing someone into the fetish or it's like a gift, like, oh, here, it's your birthday, mm-hmm. have some fun. But um, on the other hand, you know, it's like you're really starving this artist, which is, you know, giving you interest in your spank bank, so to speak. Yeah, and I will admit that I own quite a few of them. And and like I said, Blueberry isn't really even a primary fetish for me, but I think it's because of the scenarios that she creates or, you know, whoever's writing her scripts or, you know, the actors that she finds. Right. Um, you know, the a lot of the a lot of the time it's uh something that's unexpected. They didn't want it to happen. 
And yeah. I got to hand it to the actors who give their all in these clips. I mean, they're really they're really trying to sell the fact that this is happening to them and that they don't want it to happen and that they're scared. They talk the whole time, you know, so that you're at least aware. It's not just like the silent video of slowly watching somebody expand. Like you're oh, scared. yeah. They're, I'll give it that it's an immersive experience. Oh, sorry. I keep on interrupting. Dang you. I'm sorry. But um, I will say, like, I think the best one that they did, it was starring, I think his name is Eli Hunter. And he's I think he's a professional porn actor. So. Was he the really jock looking one? The one with the shaved head? Yeah. Yeah. I think I own that one. Yeah. But um, there were some. Oh, God. <laughs> so I told a couple of my civilian friends about this to various mm-hmm of okay like RuPaul in the workroom hearing a terrible idea of what this one girl is going to do just okay mm-hmm. but I once got drunk with my roommate and I showed him like a preview clip of a tailor-made clip mm-hmm. and he just went wow and I thought porn acting was bad <laughs> <laughs> I mean, which God, one was it it wasn't one starring pistol was it I don't know his name. I'm trying to remember which one. It the weaselly looking one. The weaselly looking one is Pistol. Uh, was it the one that looked like he just came out of the shower? Was wearing a red shirt and stuff. I think. No, no, that was a different one. Pistol wound up in a couple of them, and so did Max. Uh, Max and Pistol seem to be the the two favorites of hers, or maybe they're the two most willing. Yeah, I mean, you got to. They, they star in more videos than the others. Yeah, I mean, you got to admit, this is going to be a hard sell to an agent. <laughs> so I just, I, I just tell you. I mean, I have to, ass- I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I have to assume she just puts out a Craigslist ad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I can know quite a few of my friends on Discord who need, just need a yes and moment to get in that suit and on camera. Yeah. So, but, I mean... It is sort of a difficult, one of those difficult aspects of having a really oddly specific kink is that you don't really have a whole lot of um, wanking options. Like, uh, that's part of the reason why I just started making my own. Yeah. Like, around, I think it was actually on Halloween, goes to show you what extravagant plans I had. I actually started on my DeviantArt, and now there's, I think, 75 pictures and mm-hmm. stories say that there there is a point um just one more thing about the taylor made clips um there is a point where it, it kind of like always loses me is uh you know they start off wearing like normal clothes usually and then they slowly you know they're inflating the suit and everything and then of course they have to cut to the actual uh you know prosthetic made blueberry suit right and it's just an immediate cut and then, you know, the, the blueberry suit swells up. Usually there's, like, the best thing that pops open. Sometimes there's the belt on there. Sometimes there isn't. And I guess for me, it's not the suit that uh, I find erotic, you know. It's the pop. Kind of, well, no, it just, it's, like, if it was there, I know, and I know that they can't really do this, but, like, if it was made to look more like their flesh, like they were, you know, like human flesh, like, maybe that would be more erotic to me suit though I, I feel like it's kind of a hindrance to the eroticism right like that's the problem with the suit is that it's just yards of latex so when it's, yeah. when it's not when it's not inflated all the way it just looks like parachute pants on acid yeah <laughs> although yeah. i will say that in her most she made uh, uh an inflation video starring this cute blonde 
um, mm. where they used like it looked like a, at least a human. You know, you know, it was probably the one that they used for the male preg- for, for pregnancy. You know, like the pregnancy inflation fetish. Oh, was that the one that actually jiggled underneath the shirt? That was pretty impressive. Uh, I don't think it was that, but it was it was the this like cute blonde and um, he was like eating pizza or whatever, and all of a sudden he starts blowing up. But I I just appreciated the fact that it was flesh color. You know, I didn't like. I'm not again. It's not since it's not my primary fetish. I don't get into the whole turning blue part of it either. I just enjoy the actual expansion and inflation at the time. Uh, well, for me, I think I would say like turning blue is like. 49 or 51 percent of me it has either a minority or majority stake in the company mm-hmm. but, like um i think actually i just really have a hard spot wink wink nudge nudge for blue skin like <laughs> like you have any uh, you know i'm not going to go too far into that but then again i'm on a podcast talking about a really specific fetish so yeah so you can go there if you want to well, I'm just going to say that when I may or may not, as a preteen, might have had a crush on Nightcrawler in the X-Men Evolutions cartoon that debuted in the early 2000s. You know, Nightcrawler was always drawn very handsome, even in the comics. I mean, yes, he has pointy ears and yellow eyes and fangs, but his the, the angles of his face, the way that the character was drawn, was always right. drawn to be very handsome. It's not like, you know, like Toad is always drawn to be really disgusting. Right. But, you know, Nightcrawler was drawn to look beautiful. And that's the thing. It's yeah. like, yes, he's a demon, but, or mutant demon, whatever. It's, it's, it, gets, it gets complicated because comics are a mess. But, yeah. Uh, but he is German, so that's a plus. Yeah. I, you know, he's, uh, I, I found him attractive too. Not, not the, um, not from X Men Evolution specifically, because that was like, you know, he was a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> I was like um, 10, 11, so. Yeah, and I was already an adult by the time that show came out. So, but uh, Nightcrawler in Wolverine and the X Men, I thought was drawn to be very handsome. Oh God. Yes, and can we just talk for like two seconds? What perfect casting Hugh Jackman was for Wolverine. I mean, that was. I spot suppose on. so. I mean, I don't know. Here's my if we're gonna if we're gonna go off on this tangent and. <laughs> Viewers or listeners, if you are not into comics, like you can just tune this part out for a second. My major issue with Wolverine and the actors that have played him is like, yeah, they may like look like him in the face, but everybody forgets that Wolverine is only like five six. He's short. Like he's really short. In fact, he might even be shorter than five six. He might only be five three. Like, he is the shortest of the X Men, and that's why he's like so mega jacked, is because it's like all compact. And that's also why he wears one of the most elaborate costumes, because he's got like that that mask that has that headpiece that comes all the way up and makes those two pointy ears, and that gives him a little bit more height. Like he is a short, short guy. Are you implying that Wolverine has Napoleon complex? Yeah. Well, that I think that that's even been stated by the writers. Like that's why such a dick is because he's like he's so short. He's been through a lot of bullshit. And like, I, mean, to- I never read the comics. I just watched the TV shows and the movies up to a point. So this is wonderful information to me. Yeah. I read, I read the comics as a kid and you know, when, when they put Wolverine in a lineup among the other characters, like when they're all standing within the same um, depth of field, 
you notice how significantly short he is. And then, of course, in every adaptation since, they've made him, well, since since the first X-Men movie, because Hugh Jackman stepped into that role, and every iteration since then has modeled his look on Hugh Jackman. So that's my rant about Wolverine. I just think that he should be played by a shorter actor. Okay. I'm, I'm just going to say this as someone who's 6'3". Short men are hugely, hugely underrated. Yeah, no, of course they are. I, you know, I, I think that they've always been too. I don't know why. Like, do, I mean, everyone says like, "Oh, wow, you're six three. Wow, you're just." <laughs> it's like, yeah, this is very nice, but I just want to lay in a bed with that doesn't have my feet dangling off the edge. <laughs> well, also because you, it, being as tall as you are, you can also. Um, you can be considered a, a great like example like for people that are into macro you know especially yeah. if they're shorter than you like if they're only five six and you're six three you know it's like a huge height difference there oh yeah i mean i'm also i you know if they i've never gone over or even visited the macro micro camp but if they wanted to try it i'll be down for it but <laughs> well there there will be an episode devoted to that too so yeah can't wait to hit, listen to that one. And that wasn't sarcasm. I am generally excited. I'm so excited I could just burst. <laughs> oh, God. What a... <laughs> okay, that, uh, you get one more bad pun. Oh, so to get back to oh. the topic at hand. So when it comes to role-playing, the blueberry fetish, how does it usually go for you? What is your main way of role-playing this? Are you, do you, are you doing it through... A chat server? Are you doing it through uh, texting? Have you ever done it in person? Okay, um, several answers to that. Like, um, I primarily do. Can't talk today. I primarily do it via a chatting app, like um, primarily Discord. And to be fair, it's only with people that I really know, that I trust, and you know. I know what which of their buttons to push, and they know which buttons of mine to push. Mm-hmm. So that sort of leads into my pet peeve of what is when someone immediately after texting you the first time goes, "You want to roleplay?" I ran into that a lot. Yeah, I indulged a few people once upon a time in some Mpreg roleplay, which again I don't really enjoy doing that much, and uh, as a result, they just wouldn't leave yeah. me alone. I finally had to block them. Yeah, it's just, uh, for me personally, it's like walking up to a stranger and go, hi, do you want to help me jack off? <laughs> I don't care what you're doing, but, you know, I'm ready to go, so you good? But that's just me. Like, some people, I mean, I'm not degrading. You do you. Don't yuck yeah. someone. Um, yeah. It's just, it's like, if I'm, you know, if I'm dealing with a boss and a, on a video game and you just send me a little bloop bloop. And asking you to, you know, release some stress after a particularly hard day, mm-hmm. I'm not going to respond. Taking out this Witcher contract I've been working on, so how about that? But um, going back to role-playing, it's, it's very interesting sexual-wise because it's almost entirely mental and very little physical. So mm-hmm. it's almost going it's almost like when you were a little kid, you pretended like, oh, with your siblings or with your friends, like, oh, yeah, I'm a battle navy or, you know, I'm a battle commander or mm-hmm. I'm a princess, I'm a dragon, whatever. It's it's once you get it going, one, once you get the ball rolling, it's hard to stop. Mm-hmm. For example, just last weekend, 
I role played with one of my friends for four days straight. Really? Yeah. It was intense. Because, like, at the end of it, like, I, if I went on any longer, I'm pretty sure my dick and balls would have put in their two weeks notice. Like, we're done! <laughs> it was like Black Friday. <laughs> so, like, what, what, what made you finally, like, you know, end it? Were you like, dude, I can't take this anymore. I gotta, you know. I, he was like, he's like, um, 19 or 20 or so, so, and I'm, and I could feel the breath of 30 walking closer behind me. I could feel its breath on the back of my neck, so, yeah, <laughs> let's just say I don't exactly have as much get up and go juice as I used to. Tell me about it. I'm 36. <laughs> I'm only 28, so, but I like... But... Oh, you're only 28? Yeah. yeah. Here, here I was thinking that you were, like, about to turn 30 in a month or something. Got well, two more years, 20, kid. I'm turning 28 in a couple of weeks. During so the you're 27. Time. You're a kid. Come on. Oh my God. When I was 20, I'm not even going to tell you what I was doing at 27. You know why? Because I can't remember what I was doing at 27. <laughs> but everyone else remembers, I'm sure. Yeah, that's the problem. Everybody else remembers. I don't remember, but they do. Oh God. You would walk into Harvard University and go, "What are you doing back here? <laughs> why? This is my first time here." <laughs> But going back to role play, it's um, it is kind of like a sexual relationship. That's what it is. Like, mm-hmm. for example, there's this um, this isn't the individual I was with for four days. Well, what we did is um, we both took turns being, you know, the sub or being the dumb. Being, mm-hmm. I think there was actually one point where <laughs> there was actually two points where both of us were dumb to someone else in studio 71 more on that later mm-hmm. and both when we were both you know round and someone rolled us and it was fun so like but, uh, how did you manage to like span it over four days and still get things done i mean i assume that you still had to go to work or that you still had things uh, to accomplish well that is true like over this past week or so i not only was doing this but i was also marie condoing my bedroom which mm-hmm. Well, it's not easy, very time-consuming and emotional, but it is one of the great advantages of it is you can text, like any texting, you can text someone, leave it, come yeah. back like 15 minutes, do something. Okay, this, so this wasn't like rapid fire. You guys, no, there was like no, was, some, some reasonable time in between. Right, right. Like it wasn't four days straight. It, okay. it was like because Mother's Day was in that, so most of that day wasn't. Obviously, we didn't talk to each other because, you know, got to be with Well, I mean, as much as you can be with family in this day and age. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So just out of curiosity, um, in the process of this role playing, you know, or just role playing in general, how how long or short does it take for you to like get so horny that like you need to go rub one out real quick before you come back to it? Like, is there like can you can you stretch it out, you know, like that long and, and wait four days before you finally you know, uh, blow your load, or do you have to take periodic breaks? Which leads me to what the main focus of the RP was, edging. Oh, okay. He was a big edger. Gotcha. It, I guess. I'm not, so... Neither am I. But again, this is, I would say it was more often than not, is my primary kink. So mm-hmm. I was pretty much ready to go within a couple hours or so. Like, hey, you still juicy? <laughs> So really, so really, it lasting that long was for his benefit. 
it was also for mine. It was well, it was, yeah, but I mean, as far as like him prolonging his eventual, you know, orgasm. But, well, he also, I also got immense benefit out of it as well since he sent me some screen caps from um, this edging bondage porn, which I've become. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And not going on my Instagram or on DeviantArt because it's too hot for it, honestly. Yeah. No, I mean, that's the kind of thing that, that, you know, in good conscience, you should keep to yourself. Yeah. Over the years, I've known plenty of people into the fetish, and I've done, you know, I've had my experiences, and they've sent me things, I've sent them things, and I've always kept that. I mean, what's done in the dark always comes to light. Yes. So, so I can't so, wait for the podcast to bite me in the butt. No, it's not going to bite you in the butt, trust me. <laughs> I'll, so I'll find this, if oh, that sorry. holds up in court. <laughs> So is this the kind of thing that anyone that you could feasibly do in person? Could you role play this kind of situation in person? Like, I guess without an inflatable suit, because I, I think it was kind of hard without one. Yes. Um, it is harder without the suit if you don't have that visual cue, but actually <laughs> story time. Um, back when I was pretty insecure with this, um, I went on a first date with a guy, and I had one or two drinks. Literally, that's all I was, but I was so nervous, like, oh, God, is he going to leave me if I tell him this, if he finds out about me? Mm-hmm. And we were sitting in my car after a date, <laughs> and then, like, and he asked, what are you into? So that's a loaded question for a kinkster, because mm-hmm. most people are expecting, like, Oh, you know, I like cuddling or I like rimming or, you know, just making out. A little light BDSM sometimes. You can spank me and I can call you daddy and that's fine. And we'll have a picnic afterwards. Not dismissing it, but, you know, when you're on a kingster, your brain just goes right to 11. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, I slowly worked him into it. And as luck would have it, he was an inflationist. So he... he, he oh. He wasn't in that camp mm-hmm. yet. I brought him into it. <laughs> but he. But at least he had like a foot in the door. Right, he did. But what he did was he was a hypnotist. And he, and when he told me that, I was like, oh, okay, I never heard of an erotic hypnotist before. Mm-hmm. And. So when I drove him back to his car, because we just dicked around for a couple hours, like not literally, (laughs) but we just sort of messed around. We were on a date and Mm -hmm. he asked like, oh, um, do you want to try being put under? Mm -hmm. And me, I was a complete skeptic. It's like, yeah, you could try. You can see, you know, why not? Holy shit. (laughs) Like, I'm not going to go into too much detail because, you know, it wasn't the only party involved. Uh Uh-huh. But it was, at the time, the most erotic experience of my life. See, like, I've always it, been a little skeptical of hypnotism myself, because I've... I've I was too, but I, it, like, going under and him telling me that there was juice sloshing, I could literally feel it. You could? Yeah, like, it was so weird, because it was like the conscious part of my brain was put, like, put under, like, underneath a pane of gas, screaming, like, what's happening?! But mm-hmm. the sun is on top, like, yeah, you're juicy. I felt it for the next day or so. Really? 
Yeah. It's insane. Because I've seen, you know, the uh, there's been uh, hypnotism uh, videos for all kinds of things on YouTube. And there's been, you know, weight gain ones and body inflation ones, blueberry ones. And I did try to listen to some of them. But my thing about hypnotism is I just can't concentrate. Like, I can't stop thinking long enough for it to work. Right. And um, it's just, but... Here's the thing, you have to be willing to put yourself under. I mean, what he said is that people hypnotize all the time. They hypnotize themselves without mm-hmm. realizing it. Like, I think that's what made me so good about it is when he said that. It's like, oh, wait, that explains all those times where I get behind my behind the wheel, I zone out, and an hour has passed, and I'm somewhere in Illinois. Well, not Yeah, but see, I've never but, done that. <laughs> well, I mean... I mean, I, I, I can't, I mean, yes, I can space out, but, you know, I, I'm still thinking, I'm still consciously thinking about things, and I'm still consciously aware of my surroundings. Right, like, it's not so much that, you know, like, behind the wheel, as example, it's not like I'm yeah. still not ignoring turn signals, or ignoring stop traffic lights, or anything like that, it's just, sometimes it's like, oh, how'd I get here? Oh, wait, yeah, I'm in a car. Oh, Oh, I guess I think I just might be predisposed to hypnotism. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I'm willing to Uh-oh. give it. An, I'm willing to try it again, and I'm willing. But I'd like to try it with like an actual hypnotist in person rather than listen right. to a video. Funny story is, um, I told one of my coworkers about the hypnotist part, not about what was done. Mm-hmm. And he, and she just went, well, well, um, how do you know you were gay before then? And I'm just thinking about all the dicks I sucked before I met him. It's like, I know, Deborah, I know. What Was she trying to use it as some kind of like, argument that you were... Before you met this guy. It's like, I'm pretty sure I was gay before I met this guy. Deb's yeah. Weedy. Well, I mean, I think that 99% of cisgendered gay men know it that yeah, at a very early age. Oh, yeah. I knew I, I think I had oh sorry I'm pouring myself a glass of water so I'm sorry but um I think I had an inkling of that when I was three so I've known for a long time Didn't yeah really... I, I I'm pretty sure that I mean of course I didn't know exactly what it was I just knew that I was different in grade school and then you know junior high is usually when you start to figure that stuff out oh that's it isn't it is because you know you're different you just don't know how. Yeah, well, because nobody really sits down and tells you this stuff. I mean, unless you have, like, exceptionally progressive parents who, like, are psychiatrists or they're social workers or they're, you know, they're people that don't have a problem talking about uncomfortable things. It's not like anyone ever sits you down and says, this is what a homosexual is. This is what a gay man is. This is what a lesbian is. This is what a transgender person is. They don't tell you that shit. They just expect you to figure it out like they did 30 years prior. For example, like, I had a gay relative, and, you know, I'm just going to call her Aunt Susie. And growing up, Aunt Susie had, you know, a friend that always came with her, and we called her Uncle Elizabeth. I thought the most normal thing in the world. Yeah. It's like, hey, Aunt Susie, hey, Uncle Elizabeth, how are you? Yeah, you didn't know any better, because there there was no reason for you to think there was anything weird about it. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's just, it's just, it's family coming. And it wasn't until high school that the penny dropped. It's like, wait, oh, 
that's where I get it from. But um, I digress. <laughs> well, um, so I was going to ask, uh, you know, back to the role-playing aspect of things. Um, if you wanted to get your hands on one of those inflatable suits, do you know how much they cost and where to get them? Because I don't. Okay. Um, that's what you want to get. Because you can get, like, a really cheap blueberry suit that's, like, vinyl for 30 mm-hmm. bucks. And you oh, can find okay. it like any you can find on Amazon or anywhere else mm-hmm. that has like costumes. But if you really want something that you can inflate to like the size of a room, whirl around in it, mm-hmm. oh, you're gonna have to save up for it because low balling those suit is about a grand. Yeah, latex is not cheap because I'm I'm into latex, not for like inflation suits, but just to buy like a latex bodysuit. Uh, it's yeah. really expensive. It's like 350, 300 to 500 bucks. Yeah. I mean, I would love to get one too, but you know, cause they're just so great at showing off everything. doesn't matter if you're fat, skinny, muscle or lean. It's just, it shows it off and you feel sexy. I love the feeling of latex against me because it's like a second skin. And I love how like, as it heats up, it, you know, it kind of sucks you in. It kind of molds more to your body. And then being able to peel it off of you later on is like an amazing feeling. I have a couple of latex pieces, but I need to start building my collection. It's just, it's very difficult to find a, a person who bent like a place to buy it. That isn't online. You know, there's no store anywhere in the Cleveland area that sells latex, you know, uh, fetish pieces. It's almost as if kink is frowned upon by society. I know, and it sucks. I Going to Claw a couple of years ago, there were some latex vendors, but Claw is more leather-associated, so you find far more leather there than you do anything else. But something is better than nothing, and nothing is kind of what we have. Yeah. I mean, other places like around here that might have a high LGBT population, like Chicago, Columbus, or Toronto, they might have something, but... I know Detroit does, because I've been to Detroit. A, a good friend of mine lives there, and um, there's a few stores up there that sell latex um, items. And then he goes to an actual latex convention, a rubber convention. <laughs> I think it's in Chicago. Um, I don't remember the name of it, but I know he's been, and he's got more latex than I do. Maybe you should invite him on for an episode and talk about latex. Yeah, I mean, I could. I, see, but that. The only reason I really love latex, aside from the, the reasons that I mentioned about it feeling like second skin and peeling it off, is I love how it makes my belly look like a big rubber ball. I like that, too. Like, that's part of, like, that's a, a, like it's probably the main reason why I like it that much. Yeah. And, yeah, I do feel, yeah, it's it's like I'm I'm being extremely exposed and yet not exposed at all. Right. Because no, no part of my flesh is showing, and yet I'm totally exposed. Like, Spandex 2 is, like, a good, cheap alternative if you can find it. Yeah, I suppose. It's just, I don't I mean, know. It's really not the spandex, same. Which is, I know. But, I mean, <clears throat> you would look a lot less weird buying a Spandex swimsuit than you would a latex one. I'm just saying. Like, I, you, could go to, you could go to Dick's Sporting Goods and get one. I know. Just throw in some goggles. No one will bat an eye. So, I guess, you know, the, if you want to get yourself an inflatable uh, latex suit it's going to cost you a lot so you're going to have to save up for that right and it's not only that but 
Um, I talked to this one guy who does have a suit, and you have to be prepared to own it because not only is it incredibly expensive, it's incredibly delicate. So oh, you yeah. have to know what Latex is really delicate. Because if you turn a quarter too fast or if you get stuck in a door jam, well, let's just say it's going to burst your bubble. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had a pair of latex shorts that went with a latex tank top, but apparently I, I had grown too big for it and didn't realize it because it just it just split wide open. Oh. Yeah. I it hope sucks. You... It sucked. Oh. And I, I haven't been able to find, like, a good <laughs> replacement for the shorts yet. But I'm still looking. still have the tank top, and I still have a, a rubber. Why is King Gear so expensive? Well, because I guess... they know that they have you over a barrel because you can't get it anywhere else, and, and they just know that they can charge whatever they want. True. Limited limited demand and all that. Yeah, I mean, latex is a, is an abundant substance in nature. You know, it's not difficult to find rubber trees. And right. there is no shortage of cows on the planet, but leather is expensive. Well, there are other ways around it. Like, I know there is this one individual, I'm hesitant to mention his names, but he uses weather balloons. But he just aren't like. Aren't those made of mylar? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they're cheaper than the full suit, but if you just want, you know, certain parts of your body to be accentuated, mm-hmm. you could always just use those. Like, what he usually does is puts one in his belly, obviously, and like under like this blue jumpsuit has a lot of give and he puts two in his butt so and it looks great oh again i'm hesitant to plug him because uh i don't want to you know no i know you don't want to step on anyone's toes right so i did have a question i i posed this to um casey the tank when we were talking about inflation i know that quite often in a blueberry inflation scenario there's kind of two ways that it can go. Either they just inflate to being a huge round blue ball. They stay that way for a while. Or they pop and explode. Yeah. Um, so do you, is there a particular path that you lean more towards? I think I lean more towards the um, stay as a ball. Mm-hmm. But I mean... I'm not going to say lean. I pretty much fall in that direction, like stay as a ball and or juice. Mm-hmm. I am not a fan of bursting at all, unless it's a euphemism for orgasm, mm-hmm. like, which leads into sort of like the more dark side of it, which is death, basically. Yeah, and I, I even asked Casey about that. I was like, why is death a part of your sex fantasy? I don't but, know. Um, there are people who are into vor, which I will also cover in a future episode, um, who plan to die, you know, in that fantasy or as a part of that fantasy. Um, and it's their own thing. I mean, I don't, I don't really understand that, but I, right. I respect the fact that it's a part of what turns them on. Right. Because honestly, if everyone could choose what turns them on, do you think everyone would keep going with what they had? Yeah, I think it's just sort of comes from that one line in the in the seventy one movie, mm-hmm. you know, she has to be squeezed or she'll explode. It's a very simple operation. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's sort of, and you know, we all 
low-key joke that all the kids die in the movie. Yeah. So, what, by the way, in the original draft in the book, there was mm-hmm. no question about that. They did die. Well, Roald Dahl, I don't know if people know much about Roald Dahl, but he was a, a weird guy. You know, yeah. he, uh, if I'm not wrong about this, um, and someone could correct me if they wanted to, you can just, you know, go on my Instagram and correct me. I believe that Roald Dahl, before he wrote children's books, wrote for Dirty Magazines. Oh, yeah, he did. He did? He did. Okay. I don't remember which one specifically he did, but he also had a pretty dark side. Like I he had a really twisted sense of humor. No, worse. Like I remember in high school, uh, we were given a short story in a class, and I saw the author like, "Oh, he wrote Chili in the Chocolate Factory." This will be kind of quirky and weird, but kind of cutesy. Um, it was about a traveling salesman mm-hmm. who went to a very charming bed and breakfast, and. Realize, and there was a bunch of creepy stuff about the owner, how, you know, this was written, like, right after World War II, so he's just speculating, like, oh, he might, she might have just lost um, a son in the war, and she's just, like, really kooky now. And he notices, like, the logbook of the people that stayed there, there's only two names, and they ring a bell for some reason, but he couldn't quite remember. Mm-hmm. And so, as the story progresses, I'm spoiling this, so I'm sorry, but... No, um, no, it's okay. He goes into the living room, and earlier he noticed, like, a dog sitting on the rug in front of the fire. And, like, there was a bird in a cage, but upon closer expansion, they're taxidermy. They're stuffed. Mm. And the hostess goes on about, like, the previous guest. Like, she mentions that one of them looks like he was born yesterday. Like, he didn't have a single blemish on him, and he noticed that the tea that she gave him tasted of bitter almonds. Mm-hmm. And he asked, the last line of the book was, are you sure that no one else has come by here or anything like that? And the hostess smiles and says, no, dearie, only you. I didn't get it until my English professor told the class that if anything tastes like bitter almonds, it means that there was arsenic in it. Oh. Yeah. She killed them and stuffed them and hid them in the attic. I can, you know, for uh, (laughs) I can believe how, you know, because I read The Witches and that's a pretty fucked up book. I, being the movie The Witches, I watched that at 12 and 20. That both times gave me nightmares because that shit is fucked up. Well, the book is pretty fucked up, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the book is the book is even a shade darker than the film. Mm. I believe it. Because, I mean, uh, you know, spoiler alert, uh, in the book, the kid doesn't turn back into a human. He stays a mouse. And then, but, I mean, it's also a prequel for the mouse and the motorcycle, so there you go. (laughs) But, yeah, it's just... uh, Can we talk about the cosmo effects in that movie for a second? Oh, oh, and the witches? Yeah. Those were next level like it was insane like i could only watch that scene once as a kid when she takes that human mask off it's just this horrible goblin looking thing well you know that was the golden age of uh practical effects you know now everything's done with computers but in the golden age of practical effects you know that was a whole team of people making it look as real as possible yeah which sort of ties back in because i I've noticed that the 1971 version is more popular with the Kingsters, if not for, you know, 
templates. Because of the practical effects of it, you know, right. they they didn't they didn't have a bunch of computers generating the images, so Violet's inflation seemed a bit more realistic than uh, right. Sophia Robb's uh, inflation. Right, and and not only that, it comes with that famous belt pop. Yeah. You know, which is, you know, gainer fodder, basically. It is. I mean, we all love that. We all love popping buttons, popping belts, anything where the, the, the belly is growing so big that it can't be contained. Right. Also, I think it's sort of like the opposite of the new one. Like how I said, like the build up and the initial swelling was the best part. It's like, I think the 71 version is the inverse of that. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, her face is really turning blue, and that's not a blue light you shined on her. Mm-hmm. But then when <laughs> but when she's in that whole tube at the end and they start rolling her, it's like, that looks really good. That looks real. So to try to, to kind of bring everything together, because um, we're running up uh, at an hour here. Um, oh, yeah. Is there, I know that there is a community out there for blueberry fetishists. We've mentioned Discord mentioned uh deep in art um is there any place that's a bit more specific i mean is there like a, a website that is devoted specifically to this where people can talk to each other are there ever like meetups that happen is there any sort of fellowship um, that comes of this unfortunately meeting up in person for this kink is rather difficult because well while we are all about size um, we are admittedly on the fringe of the gainer kinks and kinks mm-hmm. in general. I mean, gainers on the kinks and we're on the kinks. We're basically a moon of Pluto. Yeah. So even just with an inflation convention, it's really hard to fight for that sort of food. Mm-hmm. Well, sort of told by more senior members in the community that I've interviewed you know, for just asking about like, oh, hey, why don't we meet up? You know, why isn't this more thing? Mm-hmm. It's because this is a weird fetish. It's a silly fetish, and I love it to death. But no one wants to be seen out in public associated with it. And, well, some do, and they're very naughty boys for it. <laughs> That's so weird for me to hear that, you know, because when I was struggling with accepting the fact that I was into gainers, that I was into batman that i was into bellies it's like you know i felt like that weirdo that outcast that person that no one would understand so it's very strange for me to hear that within this i guess umbrella uh world of general belly inflation and fat and all that stuff like that there's another group that we're saying no that's too weird for us you know also might just be sex is very taboo in america like his sex, like, um, I don't know if you remember this, but when Santa GTA San Andreas, there was this huge scandal that there was a sex mini game hidden that was accessed via mod. Mm-hmm. It was a game that had you killing cops, you know, picking up hookers and basically committing all sorts of grand felonies. Mm-hmm. But, but, but God forbid there be any two, sex. Yeah. And, I've seen the clip of it on like Watch Mojo and stuff. It wasn't very good looking sex. It looks well, like too I mean, God, if you play the God of War series, you can have sex in that. I mean, they they don't show it on screen, but like Kratos can, you know, he goes into a harem in one of the games. Yeah, 
but why but that's sort of like that is a large that is a podcast episode all on its own violence sort of thing really so america and its hang up with sex you know i think it's because it's a very intimate act or at least it's perceived that's what it should be it should be between two people Mm -hmm. but going back to you know meeting up in person it's also very difficult because on my discord server it is very rare unless you're in a huge metropolitan area to have Mm -hmm. more than a baker's dozen of people near you Mm -hmm. i think there are five in the cleveland area including you and me on that server yeah well we run into that we run into that on grammar too you know, True. there's quite a few. There's, I mean, there's there's a pretty long list of guys on Grommer who live in Cleveland. But in the, right. you know, t- I think eight years that Grommer has been around and that I've been on it, I have met like three people that live in, in, in this town. And it's like, with as many as there are, yet people don't want to meet up. <laughs> uh, I think... Yeah, you're not exactly going to be seeing any ads with two cute chubby bears on, like, ABC. Like, we met on Grommer. Yeah, well, you know what? And that that should be, you know, that, that there should be some kind of, like, I don't know, signal or fire with media about, like, these things do happen. You know, people meet on, in all kinds of ways. Right. And maybe they did meet on Gromer. And maybe they are both gainers. And you know what? That's fine. That's great. Maybe one of them is even an inflation fetishist. It happens. Sex is a thing. And we need that kind of representation. But but the children. Well, well, you know what? They, children yeah. know a hell of a lot more than... You know, I didn't grow up in the digital age. I didn't have the internet until I was in... Uh, I think I was a senior in high school when the internet came into my home. And I didn't have a cell phone until I went to college. So kids today are exposed to a shitload more than I ever was. You have any idea how taken aback I was when, okay, just so the audience know, I am a essential worker. Um, Do you have any idea how taken aback I was when an eight-year-old just went, fuck you, when when I told him he couldn't have an energy drink that he needed to be 18 to get? (sighs) Like, get off. TikTok, Jeremy, go on. Get but they're worried, you know, but then they're they're like, no, the kids can't be exposed to sex. Well, your kids are already exposed to sex because you have HBO and Showtime and you didn't put the current the parental controls on your Apple TV. So mm-hmm. <laughs> so now they're pulling the page to Game of Thrones, which honestly is very concerning, not so much for the sex, but for the co- other content of Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've never watched a single episode of that. Honestly, given last year's finale, I envy you. I'm not sure that I ever will, to be honest. You know, again, if we're going to get off on a slight tangent here, you know, just so I can go on a small rant, um, there sometimes if there's a TV show that has a ton of hype behind it, I tend not to watch it. I didn't watch Lost. I didn't watch Game of Thrones. I didn't watch Breaking Bad. I didn't watch The Sopranos. There's all these shows that I didn't watch because there was so much hype behind it. Yeah, like, I'm the same way with video games. Well, because I've been burned by it. Like, okay, let's wait until a month or so after release so they release, like, a patch. But that's a whole other tangent that I don't want to get into right now. 
But um, going back to, I'm sorry, what Blu-ray topic were we on? <laughs> we well, on, I, we like, were the, still talking yeah. about uh, community in the, the Blueberry. Right. Most of the community is online. Yeah. For example, um, I actually was talking to a bit, uh, no pun intended, but a bigger gainer on Grommer about mm-hmm. it. Since I noticed that he had a DeviantArt and that featured Blueberry stuff. Like, oh, this is really cool. How do you do it? And mm-hmm. it just blew my mind when he said, oh, I just do it on my phone. I post them in this app called Discord. And, you know, everyone loves it. And that was pretty much my button that dragged me to hell. And here I am today talking about it with you. <laughs> well, we all have to start somewhere. Yeah. I remember, I I think the very first Gainer website that I ever came across was the old Belly Builders website. Yeah. So we all start somewhere. Mm-hmm. So to bring it all to a, a conclusion... Um, I wanted to give you an opportunity. Which is there anything that you would like to plug about yourself? Do you want to let people know where to find you, where you post content, how to contact you, anything like that? Right. Okay. So my main account that I'm on is Extra Juicy at on Discord, but you could also contact me on DeviantArt, which under the name Extra Juicy seventy one, or as now this podcast has aired. I actually created a new Instagram page, Extra Juicy 1971. So if you want to contact me on any of those forums, you know where to hit me up. Be and sure be- to um, send me a friend request for your new Instagram. Yeah, and keep a weather's eye on those since I'm working out how to do paid commissions. So if you want some private work done, I'll send it over to you. And he and to vouch for him, he does very good work. He's done uh, several of me. Yeah. So. Gosh, you're making me blush <laughs> and if you guys don't uh, know where to find me already if you if this is the first time you're listening you can find me on instagram at the belly growth you can also find me on gromer if you happen to be a gromerite uh, i'm under the name orpheus and uh i did start a twitter recently um just at belly growth i don't post to that one as often so um, the other two places are really where you can find me. And uh, I want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. And I want to thank Extra Juicy for coming on to talk to me about this fetish. Because, uh, like I said, not my primary, but I can definitely see the appeal. Well, thank you for having me, Orpheus. Or Belly Growth. However <laughs> you- all right, guys. You take care. And um, I will try to get a new episode out as soon as I can. But you all have a good night. And have a swell time out there.